0: And welcome to Inclusionomics, a podcast that provides tools to all women who are challenged with finding or having access to positions of power. We help you navigate the path to being seen, being heard, and being included. Everyone is welcome here. It is an inclusion podcast after all, and we hope that you're here for all of that. What is privilege. That is such a loaded word and such a difficult concept to discuss, but we're going to do it anyway. I'm Stacey Gordon of Rework Work, where as a diversity, inclusion, and career strategist, I strive to reduce bias in hiring and barriers to entry.
1: And I'm Lisa Gates, founder of Story
0: Happens Here,
1: coaching unapologetically ambitious women to own their story, control their narrative, and rise up. So our theme this season is unapologetic and today we're talking about unapologetic privilege. So let's dive into this.
0: Yes, this is great. So why are we talking about privilege? And um, we're doing it because it's a, tif- a difficult topic to discuss. Uh, and there are lots mm-hmm. of misconceptions about it. And to me, privilege is like bias, right? It, you know, everyone's got a few different types. Uh, and you can't really be upset if someone's got privilege Uh, but that's why it's okay to be unapologetic about it. Um, And when you start to talk about privilege, everyone goes, I don't have privilege, not me, you know? Um, But as a black woman, I have to realize I have privilege, you know, I'm educated. Mm -hmm. I live in Mm -hmm. a nice neighborhood. We own two cars, right? That's privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, And we, we have to understand that there are various types of privilege.
1: Yeah. I think it takes a while Uh, at least for me as a white person, took me a while to understand what it really looked like if I was wielding privilege, right? Like if I was using it in some way to disadvantage someone else. Um, That's like conscious privilege, I suppose. The unconscious kind is the harder one to dismantle, right? It's just like unconscious bias,
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And I think that, um, you know, we've been looking at different definitions of, um, of privilege and what we see is that it it definitely is something that makes it, makes people uncomfortable, right? It's definitely pretty loaded word. And it's, when you look at what people have, um, given as a definition for it, you'll see that, it's privilege that is unearned, right? Unearned access to resources. And I think it's that word unearned that really gets under the skin of people. Like, what do you well, mean? I earned my life. I, I worked hard, right? Right. Yeah. And it's like, so we were talking a little bit before, it's like, when you talk about privilege and people say, well, I'm you know, I'm not privileged. My my dad, like you talk to, you talk about white privilege, because that's the one that really gets people going, is what is white privilege anyway? You know, I don't have that. My dad worked three jobs to put me through school. He, you know, back breaking labor, and this was it was really hard for him. And and I get that. It was. But at the same time, you had the privilege, or he had the privilege, of getting three jobs, right? My dad, African American man. For many years, it was hard for him to get one job, right? right? Even though he was really good at what he did, even though he was probably better than many of the guys in construction that he was vying to get a job with. But in New York City, he couldn't get a job. Mm-hmm. In any, He couldn't get into any of the labor unions. He couldn't get into any of the, you know, electrical unions he couldn't get a job to save his life and for many times he was one of those guys standing on the side of the street next to a u-haul trying to get people you know to hire him as a day laborer
1: wow 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 that's big that but it also travels up the chain even when you have position you know a position of of power somewhat. And this was, you know, demonstrated really well in the new uh, Apple TV plus show, the morning show. Um, So, you know, in a nutshell, one of the co-hosts of the morning show is fired for sexual predation, basically. Mm. And so the replacement for that person this, this black man has been being groomed and being told, you're next, you're next. And one of the things the producer tells this black man to be more um, likely to get it is to be, hey, be nicer. Just soften your edges a little bit. Just, you know, go press some flesh at the event tonight and kind of schmooze and, you know, that kind of thing. And he just gets pissed off. Because he's being told yet again, you're too black, you're too strong, you're too tall, you're too something. We can't, we white people can't handle you if you're that way. Mm. And He's a great character, a great um, sort of model for what it looks like even when you ascend to a certain level and are still being held back. And certainly women experience this all the time, right, um,
0: right. you know, so... Well, and I mean that. Just I mean, not to get political, but that even carries over. (laughs) I know, right? But it carries over to our our current um, climate, right? I mean, if you look at the difference between Barack Obama and our current president, you know, if if Barack Obama tried uh, even like a a smidgen of the stuff that is going on, he would have been out on his ass so quickly. Yes, it, it wouldn't even be a conversation piece at this point that's right that's right
1: yeah uh, the the current climate we are getting away with murder um privilege is getting away with murder you know g- going back to the to the morning show i mean you see throughout the series it's not just white privilege but it's 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 uh, or white male privilege because of the me too topic but it's where privilege shows up in the wildest of places where you wield power or, or you take power because, uh, uh, you can. Right. And, and when you do the impact is, um, to, you know, to take away another person's agency and, you know, uh, that's what's so destructive about it. And you feel like it's your fault. Right? Isn't there yes. a piece of it where, um, because of their blindness, that it almost makes you feel like, um,
0: yes, it's almost like tr- it's like it's like gaslighting, kind of. Yes, know? yes. <laughs> and and I think also part of it is, you know, when you say that someone's wielding power and they're using that to take away agency from others, they don't realize it. Right? Like nobody gets up. I won't say nobody, but most decent people. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about decent people. We're not talking about the the extremes of society. We're just talking about regular folks. They do not get up in the morning and think, how can I screw over another person's life? That's right. They're just just going about their day. And I think that's the piece of the privilege that is so um, so interesting and, and so difficult to unpack. And speaking of unpacking, is what reminds me of um, Peggy McIntosh, right? Like she's the one who wrote, um, uh, what is it? Unpacking the, I'm going to say it wrong. I'll make sure I got the right name here. Unpacking the invisible knapsack, right? Because privilege is really this invisible thing that we walk around with. And she is the one that has really done a lot of work around privilege. And when you talk about Not understanding and not seeing how this works. I I think of, so you pushed me to watch uh, Hello Chelsea, it's me privilege, right? Because I was like, I'm not going to watch that. (laughs) And Lisa's like, oh, just watch it. (laughs) 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 I know. I really wanted to get your take on it because, you know,
1: uh, here I am, a privileged white person watching Chelsea come to Jesus, you know, have a learning moment in her life. Yeah and and she was trying you know she taking yeah. the effort <laughs> uh, but but it was flawed and tell people what you were upset about
0: well and not even well I guess I I yeah, I'm upset I was going to say not upset but yeah yeah a little well bit. you didn't want to watch like, it you said I'm not watching any more of this it's driving me crazy well, because, yeah, in the beginning, the very first thing she said, I want to say within the first five minutes was she's like, well, I don't want to make this a thing. And I'm like, hello, Chelsea. You did a whole show about it. It's now a thing. <laughs> it's a thing for like, sure. <laughs> like right there, it's a thing. Um, but what really hit me as I kept watching was... Um, The idea that, you know, she had this, and I'm sorry if I'm spoiling it for those of you that haven't watched it yet. If you want to go pause here and go watch it and then come back, you can do that. Um, I've given you fair warning. So, um, she's, she's dating when she was younger. Uh, it was interesting to find out, right? She had this wild side and of course it's considered a wild side if you're out dating a black guy, right? Right. Um, (laughs) she was dating a black guy who was actually a drug dealer and, um, she got pulled over at least three times with drugs in the car with him. And she said, Every time he was arrested, and every time the cop looked at her and said, Go home.
1: Right. Every time.
0: Right, just let her go, and it wasn't until she was making this documentary, this, this, this special, that she realized why all the time she thought she was being let go because she was just pretty and smart, and they just didn't want to see her go to jail, but, and she had to somehow talk her way out of it, not realizing that it was her privilege, the fact that she was a white girl, and they were That's like, right. please, don't get mixed up in this. Go home. That's right. You shouldn't be <laughs> running around with a black guy anyway. Right. And so it, it, for three times this happens, right? That's and, right. And she did not realize it until she's making this, this special. How old is she? 40-something years old? Right. Though, well, that's how invisible 30 it is, years. right? <laughs> that's how,
1: that's, you know, so what does it take? So it took that for her to wake up and really see it. For what it is and to motivate her to explore it too. Yeah. Um, um, you know, so how do we, how, you know, you can't force somebody to be conscious, but if you were in your workplace or, you know, working with a church group or whatever, and you wanted to increase people's emotional intelligence about privilege, how would we do it?
0: Yeah, well, and I think, so going back to Peggy McIntosh, she does this great workshop that um, I think is helpful to people. And um, so, because again, when you talk about privilege, people immediately get defensive. And even people who don't think they, well, say like people who don't think they have privilege, no one thinks they have privilege, but people who really don't think they have privilege, like black people, you know, women, right? We're like, we don't have privilege. What are you talking about? But as I said in the beginning, You know, it took me a minute to realize. Wait, no, you have privilege. You have privilege of education. You have privilege privilege of class of a higher Mm -hmm. socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. Um, And and actually, before I even go into this workshop, what I really want to talk about there in terms of the the idea of why it is so important for um, people who normally don't have privilege to be represented in areas where we normally will not see. Uh, people who don't have privilege is because when you look at, I had a woman call me, we talked just last week uh, from the mayor's office and they have this great initiative um, that is trying to get more youth uh, working, right? And so it's usually underprivileged youth. You're talking about a lot of Latino, um, Mm African-American youth who are, are unable to find work. And so we're having this conversation and she said, you know, she was in the room She was at some kind of forum where they're talking about what they're going to do for this program. And all of the people that are advocating for this, at least supposed to be advocating for it, are all older white men, right? And nothing wrong with that, except that they don't have the experience of understanding why it is difficult for certain people to move up in in, in rank or in level or in life in general. And so they were, you know, we we were talking about the fact that um, for many of these, these homeless youth, it's like, well, why don't they just get an apartment? They've got a job. That is true. They do have a job, but guess what? Have you ever been living paycheck to paycheck, and been scared that if you don't get your next paycheck, you might be living in your car, mm-hmm. or have you ever been in a situation where you need to move, you want to move, your neighbor is selling drugs, you know, and you would love to be able to uh, to move, but you can't, because guess what? You need first month's deposit. You need, um, you know- A you need moving deposit. van. You need yeah. first month's rent. You need to get a moving van. You need to maybe hire a mover would be great, right? But you can't afford to do any of that because, and then even if you could go get a moving van, okay, great. What do they want when it's time for you to rent a moving van? A, oh, credit, want, card. a credit card, you go. <laughs> right? <laughs> they want a, a driver's license without any kind of, of issues on it, right? So, I mean, all of these things are impediments. And when you don't understand that somebody can't just do something, it's like, why don't they just you know fill in the blank? there are all these things that 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 come into play and we need people in these positions of power who understand what that has been like or understand what that looks like to be able to put the right processes and procedures in place to be able to help people get to that next step because when and you, you just know, say just way, do
1: this, an, they can't an, yeah <laughs> and another way the language shows up it it shows up in language is people say well those people just those people just need to and mm-hmm. fill in the blank, right? I remember having a conversation with my dad when, in, when he was in his 80s. And, and, and I don't even remember what we were talking about specifically, but he said the words, those people, referring to black people. And I said, do you hear what you just said? You're one of the most conscious people I know. But what you just said was those people. You put an entire race of people in a box and gave them a directive about what would make their life better. And you don't have permission to do that. You think you do because you're white and you're privileged. And we had a ruckus. (laughs) conversation about I'm not racist well it's like yeah you're not racist but you're privileged and you don't hear it in your language and we're going to talk about that in another podcast about the whole
0: language language
1: Mm -hmm. and race and all of that but Anyway, go back to the workshop thing or the exercise she did.
0: So, well, well, and I went away from it because I wanted to talk a little bit about this idea of like why we don't see it, right? And why it's important for us to see it. And so how do we see it? Like, how do you make someone see that? Like you said, it took Chelsea 30 years, Like, Is there something we could do? You know, I don't know that this exercise will, will help. Um, but or I shouldn't say help. It will definitely help. I don't know that it will work right right off the bat, but it's, a explore, it's an exploration. And so what she does is she will have you divide up a piece of paper and you put on there one side where you're not privileged and another side where you are privileged. And first you just start to talk about where you yourself are not privileged because just as we all have privilege, there are also places where we don't have privilege. So let's start there. Let's talk about what those places are what that feels like, what's in that, right? Because then that helps you to have a little bit of empathy for others who don't have privilege as well. Then well, we so can talk you,
1: about... You have that. this great example of, you know, being a left-handed goalie. Oh my God, yeah.
0: Right? Because well, that talks about the fact that privilege isn't equal, right? So we can put these lists of privileges and non-privileges on this piece of paper, but then we also have to acknowledge that some privileges are, are ranked higher than others, right? I might be, and I'm not, but I could be <laughs> privileged to be a left-handed goalie. That would make me, that would be a great privilege if I was in soccer and that, you know, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. However, I could get through life and not be left-handed, right? That would be quite fine, but I can't get through life and not be able to get a job because of my race or gender, right? Right. Right. We have to look at these privileges and then we don't want to rank them because it's not a competition. But we do have to acknowledge that some are higher priority than others. Absolutely. That's the place where we lose uh, people in the conversation because Mm -hmm. they'll say, oh, well, that's not really a privilege or I don't really have that privilege or I've got this privilege, but not that that privilege. And so it's not a us versus them. It's not a your privilege ranks my privilege. It's just let's have a discussion about all the ways that we have privilege. And then let's acknowledge that and realize that, hey, I might be able to use my privilege to help somebody else who doesn't have privilege. right? Mm -hmm. And let's look Mm -hmm. at it from that point of view. How can I use my privilege to help somebody else? And I think that's a good way to, to do that.
1: Yeah, the the whole thing of advocating for, quote, the underdog or for the the, um, unseen, unheard. You know, another exercise that um, I took part in a social justice workshop, kind of a mediation workshop. And one of the exercises they had us do was we were all standing in a circle. And this was kind of about finding common ground. Hmm. And the workshop leader would throw out a category or um, an experience or a job like waitress. And anybody who had worked as a waitress would step into the center of the, school, uh, of the circle and you would see who, who had that role, right? White, black, yellow, whatever. And, and, and then she just kind of went at it in layers. And then she started doing things like um, uh, uh, went through bankruptcy, um, <clears throat> were evicted from your house, uh, were fired from your job, um, were told that you're too old, too young, too fat, too tall. And She just went through all of these, and it was amazing to see what happened as people moved into the center of the circle and saw each other and then moved back. So it had this way of connecting people to each other, for one thing, mm. yes. but also seeing the differences and seeing even somebody somebody's standing on the outside of the circle – who didn't have that experience? They would often want to come into the center anyway because they were sad about it or wanted to support or advocate um, yeah. those that well, had and that it experience. Also, helps
0: to unpack that bias too because you right. walk into a room and you look around and you make assumptions about people, right? And then when they stand up on something that you wouldn't have thought, you go, "Oh wow, that yeah, person exactly. had a bankruptcy. Oh wow, that person slept in their car for six months." <laughs>
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So it helps there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm
1: -hmm. So, so I would, I think, you know, if we're talking about the workplace, like you know, trying to move the dial on on this issue, those two exercises might be something that you incorporate into some larger scheme. But we're always trying to find like how the how. you know, what, what is the thing that will trigger growth or awareness, you know, and I think certainly just having the conversation, being willing, um, you know, to engage in the conversation, but also bigger than that, being willing to point it out as it happens. That's always my big theme is when you, if you're conscious and you notice it, It happening to yourself or to somebody else. Um, I think the world we're living into right now is that we speak up and that, you know, we use our influence in a constructive and positive ways to um, help abate the whole issue. Right. And I
0: think part of that too is so using our privilege to advocate for others by bringing others into the room. So going back a little bit to what I was saying before about, you know, you've got these group of people who are trying to do a good thing, right? They're advocating for homeless youth. That's great. But you have to ensure that there are people in the room who really understand what some of those issues might be. And it really got clear to me when uh, I was an adjunct professor and I was looking at the... Our student population, you know, graduate students was very diverse, but the faculty was not. And I know it's one of the reasons I was hired because mm. um, they said we need more diversity. Um, now, I was also extremely qualified <laughs> for the position. Um, but it was having that conversation, being in those faculty meetings where there were issues happening. You know, We had one of the, the faculty that had an issue, you know, who was a white man, had an issue with one of the African-American uh, men, uh, who was actually also in my class. And we're in this faculty meeting talking about this. And I remember just sitting there for a minute and looking around and going, wow, if I wasn't in this room, how different might this conversation go? Hmm. And so it's like, that's the, the importance. And those are the places where I think what I want to really get across to people and be able to take away from this is, yeah, here are these exercises you can do. Here are these other tangible things you can do. Bring people into the room um, to be able to be there to help shape the decisions that happen. Um, and being able to use your privilege um, to to help others and being able to to use that to ensure that you know we are Mm -hmm. um like i said really just advocating for others and not being oblivious to the privilege that we have you know
1: i think talking about um sort of the university system one of the i've had several clients over the years who were ombuds people in universities and these are the problem solvers the they often have training as lawyers or psychologists, therapists, and um, they take two parties or more, you know, and try to solve an, an issue that's cropping up in the workplace or in the classroom. Um, and, and the two most, re, the, the recurring themes in universities are issues of race and um, harassment, Mm. Sexual harassment or just economic harassment, being held back um, because of race or gender, etc. And uh, I was kind of shocked to learn that those were um, the most. Not sh- I, I shouldn't be shocked, but that that's the preponderance of what they're dealing with. But that is um, what we're talking about. the The practice there is to bring these two people into the room, and if these two people Um, if, if the ombudsperson, um, doesn't have the experience, then they will often pull someone else in who does in order to have the conversation, not frequently, but, um, very often. Yeah. So it's
0: the universities are going through that a lot right now. I've had a couple reach out to me, um, they're having issues with, they're with the student body and you'll you find that the student body is diverse the faculty is not that mm-hmm. is going to consistently cause problems mm-hmm. um, and so it's one of those things that keeps coming up because especially now you know last season we talked about being woke you know our students um, and, and students have always been you know, ready to to rally and protest and 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 uprise. So the students are like, you know what? We're not going to take this nonsense anymore. Y'all need to do something about your your faculty. And so it's important for the faculty to understand that, um, you know, when we talk about privilege, that, that there's this underlying place of guilt, right? I'm not going to feel guilty because of things that I I got. And and I get that you shouldn't have to feel guilty. Um, but I think what is interesting, though, what you do have to feel guilty about is now you know and you don't do something. And yes. honestly, I think that's a large part of why people don't explore this because they'd rather stay in ignorant bliss.
1: Yeah, they don't want to be responsible for something, right? Right.
0: Because once you know, you know. Right. There's no going back. You really need to do something. And that's the place where people are starting to feel like, well, damn, now that I know this, I got to do something about it. And it's like, yeah, you know what? You do. But it doesn't have to be like, I'm telling you right now, I'm not getting in the streets and protesting. That's not what I want to do, right? There are people who want to do that, and that's great. There are lots of individual small things you can do tomorrow when you go to work um, that will make a difference. We've already mentioned a couple of them, right? It's just doing... What's, another, what's another example? Like, l- l- let's say you're in a meeting
1: and um, be, m- the people who are being impacted by the decisions made in the meeting aren't in the meeting. Okay? So, so l- l- not, this may not be a, uh, a, a race issue, just, you know, the privilege of being in the room to contribute to the decision being made that will ultimately affect you. Right. Right. You're the one doing the work. You're the one on the project and you're not in the room. That's right. This, this, this happens a lot, unfortunately with women. Right. Um, um, or, or just being unconscious about who should be invited to the party in the first place.
0: But then you I mean, really the answer there is just, is stop the, damn meeting right and have a conversation (laughs) about who should be in this meeting who are we impacting and how do we know that what we're about to make decisions on is actually going to help right and the answer to that is to go ask the people who you are about to impact yes have not done that yet yes halt the meeting and go do that and then come back you come back with them so they can speak in the meeting or go get some information and then come back with the information but at some point we've got to stop making decisions for people who get no input into the decisions that are going to affect them and impact them many times detrimentally for the rest of their lives Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's the and the privilege that we have that we think that we know better oh well of course we know better really do you though (laughs) <laughs> exactly yeah i can remember being you know
1: in the early part of my career being a secretary and a coordinator and having you know responsibility for certain elements of a project and and people making decisions that were so ridiculous that, that we're actually going to slow things down and, and they didn't understand the system that existed. They just thought, let's do something new without talking to me, yeah. the person responsible. It used to just drive me crazy, you know? And then on the flip side of that, having an idea about a, a change or a shift that would actually increase productivity and change things dramatically yeah, no, we tried that. Or, yeah, no, we, that's, no, that's going to be too costly. No, that's just not a good idea. When, 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 you know, I'd show them the numbers, I'd show them (laughs) the data and it would still be no, because I wasn't originally part of the, um, asked to the party. Right.
0: No, I get it. So I I mean, these are some really good tips and, um, Uh, if I do say so myself. (laughs) 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 So I I, I think that, you know, as we wrap this up, this is a great conversation. And, you know, I implore people to have this conversation in their workplace, you know, take this this episode, share it with some coworkers, listen to it, and then let's change up those meetings at work, people. Let's change it up. Let's Mm -hmm. see what you can do because... I really think you can make huge impact with some really small changes. Um, And I'd love to see you guys do it. And, you know, Linda... Linda, Lisa, and (laughs) I'm going to call you Linda for the rest of this episode.
1: It's not the first time. It's not
0: the first time I've been called Linda. I don't know why that is. (laughs) Lisa and I are, we're both on LinkedIn. We accept pretty much all requests to connect. We would love to hear what you think about this. And we would love to hear some stories about you guys doing this in your work and seeing what the difference would make. We would love, 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 love to hear uh, some stories like that. So if you got any of those, listen, I mean, send them, well, listen to our podcast, share it with a few people, see what changes you can make at work, and then tell us about it because we, maybe we can um, do a follow-up. If we get enough stories, we can talk about this. (laughs) That's a great idea. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I think that we are going to wrap up here. So, of course, as usual, uh, this is Lisa and I, and uh, we are here sharing our learning and our experiences with you. And we hope that if you like today's discussion, that you'll like us, share us, and listen in next time. You have been listening to Inclusionomics with Lisa Gates and Stacey Gordon. Visit inclusionomics.net to subscribe and download.